Christina Kim. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, this is our really our first conversation together, so I'm excited to uh, get to know you a little bit more. Same here. Thanks for having me, Jake. I was really excited to hear about the podcast path to follow. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you're um, you're hard to track down. You're very busy. <laughs> What uh, what is what is filling up your days so far in your first couple of months here as a going faculty member? Yeah, um, great question. You know, um, I am so excited to fill in the new role as a director of wellness and support at Gilman. I'm working with the um, pre-K to 12th grade, also all three divisions. So I'm meeting with d- different divisions. There's learning support team working with the parent wellness committee. Um, which I met with this morning, who have a lot of excitement um, and energy in trying to work with the school to bring well-being for their boys. What is the Parent Wellness Committee? I don't even know. Sure. So the Parent Wellness Committee is um, a subcommittee under the Parent Association, and we had two parents um, who are co-chairing who have such a passion in trying to promote wellness and the well-being of of the parent community and um, supporting their child here at Gilman. So the two co-chairs are um, parents of juniors, mm. and they've been with Gilman for a long time. Mm. And so they really promoted, I heard, um, even my role, <laughs> yeah. working with the board committee and creating um, this job description. So I'm fascinated to hear a little bit more about you and your background, but also kind of about how your experience has been within the three different divisions here at Gilman and what challenges and kind of things that you notice in each division. Sure. Um, so maybe we could start with that because this was an interesting year, interesting time to come in as the director of wellness um, after kind of a full year of students just being at home isolated and, you know, now coming back to school, there are a lot of really great things about that, but I'm sure that there are um, some challenges or some issues that you're facing as a, as you know someone who's working with with children on their like mental state as they're getting back into school and it probably ranges between the three different kind of age levels here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are entering the second um, year of the global pandemic with um, a lot of disconnection last year that took place with education and. Um, social, political unrest, and so many things. And so um, there's been a lot of stress on our, st- our population here at Gilman. So, um, yeah, coming in, um, I really appreciated that the school leaders were really already thinking about ways to support the, the reentry back into the school community in a safe way. Um, so I'm, I, I really enjoy working with the three division heads, um, with um, Henry, the headmaster, and Peter, and the leadership team, and really thinking about um, ways to promote um, well-being in the school. Uh, we are currently um, conducting a wellness survey for all parents, pre-K to 12, all students in the 6th to 12th grade, and all faculty and staff next week um, to really look at that piece. How, how is everyone doing? Mm-hmm. Um, how are they regulating? What are their, uh, what's their stress level during the day as a student, as a parent, as a, as a faculty member? And we're going to really look at that data that um, we are doing with Authentic Connections, which is an outside um, organization that partners with um, independent schools to really provide data in how we can really focus our programming, um, mm-hmm. wellness curriculum, and to support our school community. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, but for now, really supporting the lower school um, boys. Um, oh, can I go back? Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, 
because we've been away for so long, coming together and building community and connection has been a priority. And um, I'm really looking forward to Spirit Day, which is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a Gilman tradition, but I'm learning this is something new that we're doing this year. And we're really just bringing a lot of joy and fun in, during the school day from 11 to 2. We're having food trucks for our students and faculty. Um, and we're really um, partnering with um, Cross Divisions to bring the upper school boys to play and have fun with the lower school students and the middle school students. So that crossover um, will be an exciting thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think like finding that connection beyond just the grade, beyond the division, but really uh, um, connecting with the community members will really help build those relationships. Yeah. Um, Yesterday I was at a upper school mindfulness club and I was impressed to see so many boys came. Oh yeah. Yeah. During lunchtime, it's an optional club and, um, it's led by Miss Nakiba. I don't know how to say it. Yep. Can I say that again? We actually had Miss yeah, um, Nakiba and Miss um, Ross. Miss Ross. Yep. Yeah, they were actually on the podcast and they were talking oh. about meditation and mindfulness. Here we did like a whole kind of 45 minute episode just on that topic. Wow, so important. They have a passion. So Miss Ross is in the middle of her intense college application season. So I was subbing and was there with Miss Nakeva. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I was impressed to see the number of boys there really taking it seriously and um, practicing the building, but also thoughtfully talking about the impact it had on their body and minds. Hmm. Um, large percentage was freshmen. Really? Yes. Because I, 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 I said, let's go around and just share who we are and what grade we're in. And there are a couple of seniors there, but a large percentage of the freshmen. And I thought, wow, the fact that there's a large large number of freshmen here really, you know, I give kudos to everyone in the middle school who really brought that into their, I, I guess, every day, because for them, it didn't seem new. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they were familiar with it more than I was, um, and they were used to practicing it. So what, what Amy Summers did in the middle school and all the advisors, I really um, am glad to even see that kind that's, of take place. Uh, that's surprising, because I would think it'd be seniors and juniors who need just a minute of, of you know, time to themselves yeah. in silence, but the freshmen, that's... How many students were there? There were about uh, 12. 12, 12 boys. or 13. And then me and like 15 of us um, for an early meeting. That's pretty good in the lunchtime. That's really good. Um, um, do you practice mindfulness at all on your own? To... Um, I um, incorporate breathing and meditation. Um, lear- I've been learning mindfulness from colleagues in my school settings that have um, been trained but I myself haven't been trained, mm-hmm. but I understand the power of that as a tool in helping us really calm our body and minds. What are some other tools that you advocate for for students at all levels, but really, I mean, I guess I think I would maybe focus on the, the juniors and the seniors or some of the upperclassmen who have a lot of academic stress, I mm-hmm. would say, but I, I, I think everyone has academic stress, but maybe more so, more intense uh, the older you get, but what are some things that students can do kind of on their own to alleviate some of that? I teach seniors and they're in the college process right now. And mm-hmm. some days I feel like I'll walk into the room and you can, you can feel the yeah. anxiety and the stress yes. and the, and I, I wish, I mean, I wish there's some way I try to, uh, alleviate some of that, but yeah. some of it is just, you know, they're applying to colleges. They're trying to get into places, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, um, that's a great question. That's what we're trying to figure out, right? How to manage anxiety, um, how to manage when we're triggered and we're surrounded by a high-stress, rigorous environment. 
Um, and yes, like just like joy and laughter is um, contagious, so is anxiety. You can feel it in the room. <laughs> yes, and so totally. the, um, you know what you felt in that classroom um, really talks about co-regulation. And so the seniors are going through a tough time. They're anxious, or like, and how many of them in your room, you know, all feeling that way? And then you feel as a teacher. And so often we co-regulate in our in our society, in our community. And so the importance of building the skills of emotional intelligence and and, and the awareness of how um, our outside stressors can really impact our mind and body um, really is is key in helping us um, manage through those moments. Um, And and for particularly um, in that that instance, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, I shared with the larger faculty on our PD day on the, the meta moment tool Right, which um, comes from the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And it is a tool that helps us really build um, that space between a stimulus and a response. Um, there's a wonderful quote by Viktor Frankl that says, um, in between a stimulus and a response, there is a space. Um, and in our space is our response. In your space is the power to choose. Yeah, choose your response. Um, so Viktor Frankl has a quote. Um, and he says, in between a response and a stimulus, there is a space. And your space um, is a power to choose your response. Yes. And yep. in your response is um, where, um, I'm not quoting exactly, but um, the power to um, grow um, and choose your freedom mm-hmm. and really your happiness, right? And so that is so helpful in knowing that we have agency over our emotions, that it, 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 it can overwhelm us if we let it, but we can also choose the way we respond. And the metamotil is great. Um, it, it's four steps, and we talk about how, you know, when we're triggered by something in the environment, inclu- like stress, um, our bodies and our minds are affected. So our mind starts to shift into um, a self-talk that could be negative, right? Uh, like, what's going on? This is not fair if we're seeing injustice. Or, um, you know, when we're nervous, our heart's palpitating, um, our body, um, we're reacting in different ways physiologically. But when we're aware of that, it's important to really pause, whether to take those deep breaths so we learned in mindfulness, to give um, fresh oxygen to your brain and to your heart, to give it um, uh, and to reduce the stress level hormones, or really in your mind to really pause um, cognitively because our mind is racing, especially when we're worrying. And so finding a way to stop those racing thoughts when we're anxious or worried um, and to give it a pause by counting to 10 or um, thinking about something different or really redirecting our thoughts and staying present in the moment helps us with that pause. Um, and then as we, the third step is to look at your best self. Like what is, well, how do you, what kind of student do we aspire to be? What kind of educator, what kind of parent, or what kind of person do we aspire to be in the moment? And when we activate our best self in the moment, um, it leads us to our fourth step, which is to really find the right strategy um, in our um, toolkit of regulating strategies. And that's, you know, the helpful work that we can do and incorporate in our schools and really building this awareness so that when our students are at the point where they are um, highly stressed, they already have a variety of strategies in their toolkit that they know they can access mm-hmm. versus trying to teach them in the moment. Really, they're in a flight and fight mode, and it's really hard to kind of um, in that moment, really bring ourselves down other than um, taking that deep breath and staying present. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited to partner with the lower, middle, upper school. I really do see a lot of this work proactively being done in classrooms already. Um, and as we continue to integrate 
um, the social emotional learning into our classrooms, into the different spaces, into the fields, right? Um, in, into the different spaces of learning at Gilman um, and really support our boys in giving them permission to feel and um, navigating those emotions. Um, it really equips them and gives them agency um, in, in, in feeling they're in control of it versus being controlled by the stress around them. Hmm. So I have a lot to say um, on that. Man's Search for Meaning actually is a book that I teach in this senior class where I sometimes feel that stress. Um, so I'm interested in talking about that because that book's almost un unbelievable that this man in a concentration camp in such a dark moment could f find a way to to have a sense of meaning and purpose in his life when really he looked around and it was just terrible. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that. And the other thing is I'm, I'm thinking about like my, my coach, my, some of my coaches growing up would, would have the quote or the phrase, you can control your attitude and your effort. Those are two things that you can control. And I've believed that for a while. Um, especially the effort part, because I really do. You can put in as much effort as you know as you physically can, but the attitude part is really what we're talking about here—the space between the stimulus and the response. And I, I feel like there's sometimes when, and this, you know, and this is probably how some students feel too, where you're kind of responding or erupting uh, with emotion rather than or rather than like consciously making choices or uh, taking a step back. Um, and you're talking about implementing some of those skills into the classroom. Like what are some ways that teachers can do that in the classroom and like teach students how to take a step back, assess the situation when a lot of times things are happening so fast that your first instinct is to react. So in the classroom, oh, yes. how do teachers yeah. you know, teach something like yeah. that? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's such a skill, but... Like, I mean, I was thinking about even doing some meditation in class at the beginning. It's a couple minutes yeah, just to practice that. It's such a, Absolutely. That's you know. a great, that's a great thing um, to practice when students are coming in. Um, because when you think about emotions, it is the intersect of the energy that's going on in our body, whether it's high energy or low energy, and the thoughts that we have, which are pleasant or unpleasant. So when you really bring those two together, right, um, intense emotions are really high energy, big feeling words that are uh, whether highly pleasant or highly unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And when it's anxiety or anger or rage, it's high intensity, um, high energy, high unpleasant feelings. So when we're aware of the feelings in that kind of category, there's no judgment about whether a feeling is positive or negative. It's just that's what we're feeling. And if we're aware of that and recognize it in the moment, there's a way to bring down the energy a little bit so that it doesn't stay in that highly anxious, angry state. And um, the good thing about intense emotions, it has a short shelf life. Mm -hmm. And so the waiting out and the pausing really gives you space to ride out the intensity of that emotion so that you're able to respond with confidence and not react with regret. Because mm -hmm. we all know that when we're highly energized, and it's usually unpleasant feelings, the attitude, the behavior really is an ex expression of that. And we say, oh, I couldn't help it, but that, those words came out of my mouth. Or it came, my, you know, when I talk to the younger children, it's like the energy came out of my hands and I didn't even realize it. But when you're aware of it, you can stop that from the moment and exert the energy, release it another way, mm -hmm. like through the breathing, like through um, 
redirecting um, a lot of grounding techniques, um, really exerting your energy not through your hands to someone, but maybe down elsewhere. There's many strategies to shift that energy in the moment um, to re-engage because emotions really impact, we know from research, attention, learning, and memory. Right? It's really hard to focus when we're worried about something else or our thoughts are consumed by something else. And oftentimes teachers in the class can be, you know, if only if you pay attention, you'll learn something. Right. But, you know, research shows that the, that the child is usually focused on maybe something else that happened that we, we don't know about, right? Um, that they couldn't get over. It was maybe something else that happened early in the day or something that happened on the field the other day. Um, but there attention's consumed by something. But if there's a way to shift that and bring them back to the present, then they can engage in the learning, right? Mm. And at, um, at retain more memory or the information at hand or, or receive or be open to the learning. Um, we know emotions impact relationships because um, emotions are signal or in information to whether we want to avo- uh, approach someone or avoid, right? We can kind of read on people's facial expressions whether it's an invitation to like come closer or be like, oh, let me give them... A, ch- a chance to kind of, um, you know, let me not engage them. And mm-hmm. so it impacts. So the more we're aware of how we're feeling um, and can manage that, it really impacts our relationships as well and how we interact with others. Emotions impact our mental health and physical health. If we don't attend to a lot of the big feelings, it can really pile up as stress, right? Um, and then it can really impact our long-term health. Um, and really, emotions also impact our creativity and innovation. If we're constantly worrying and, and trying to survive and get through the day, um, or we're caught by fear, um, we really don't have space to kind of be free to think and enjoy and, and come up with solutions to um, uh, problems like in class or other things. So uh, emotions impact so many facets of who we are mm-hmm. um, as we become aware of how to recognize what's going on, understand the triggers and the causes, then we can label it with the proper word versus saying, oh my God, I don't feel good because good is not even a feeling word, right? If you can name a feeling, um, we can tame it. We, right. we can manage it and then you can express it to whoever you need to um, and then find a strategy to regulate it. So what can we do in class? That idea you had about starting off with meditation just to begin. Um, we know that you know when students go to recess or come back from um, a high energy level um, activity coming in to try to teach a certain lesson might be harder than others, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to do persuasive writing or other um, active or learning that is more calmer, when their energy is high, they can't access that place. So as a teacher, we can be aware of how different um, feelings create different paths of learning. Mm-hmm. And there's research, it's called mood congruent instruction. And so when we are aware of, of all that, we can really help shift the whole class one place to another um, to bring the energy down. For example, with the example after recess, like if we have a bunch of um, boys in the lower school coming in, running in, so excited from playing football or a tag or whatever it is in recess, and they have to come into quiet reading, right? That's really hard. So maybe in that moment, um, the teacher can help bring down the energy by softening the lights, putting some calm music on, mm-hmm. doing one breathing to help them shift from that fun activity to now another fun activity, which is more low energy. Hmm. engaged in reading that makes a lot of sense um i was thinking about my experience as a teacher of juniors and seniors i see um maybe a a different type of example than you're describing of the recess 
more so like they go to an 80 minute class and then they go to another 80 minute class and like today's Thursday. So they've been doing this all week. So they come to my third period, 80 minute class and it seems almost monotonous. It's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this all week. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I've got a lot of homework. I haven't really caught up on my sleep. I'm thinking about some ways that I can, um, in, in that level, kind of shift the mood so that they feel excited about what we're learning or inspired yeah. or um, maybe less stressed about the grades and the college and that kind of thing and more interested in the actual material. Yes. Um, and the other question I'm going to ask you is, this is just from my point of view as a teacher of juniors and seniors, but is there another age that you're, I don't know if concerned is the right word, but I, I'm just concerned more so about the older students because I do see that they have a lot of pressure in terms of college and grades yeah. and everything is so serious that they're maybe missing some of the opportunities to enjoy their experience at Gilman or at the girls' schools and, you know, be curious and learn more because they're all so focused about the future and yeah. the grades and what I need to do to go to this school. Absolutely. Things that didn't happen yet. All of the future, all the uncertainty of the future really can be all-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that um, Sarah Ross and Dr. Mo tomorrow have that talk on that topic for parents of seniors, <laughs> just to help parents understand and manage their co- thoughts and worries so that they can better be available to support their boys who's going through that. So um, one of the um, benefits of coming to Gilman is all the d- wonderful PD that's offered and having... Um, two boys myself and just brothers and a lot of boys. I'm really, I've been part of this, um, the International Coalition for Boys. Okay, am I saying it wrong? Can you say that again? No, that's it. (laughs) Okay. I think. So um, we are part of this um, organization that offers amazing PD about working in a boys' school. And one of the things I was listening to last night um, and connecting with boys is really finding that human connection. I was hearing from different heads of schools all over the world who um, work in all-boys school. And one of the common themes that came out of that was to find a way to connect and engage the boy, the person. And I think one of the things that you say as an 11th, 12th grader is that because right now all the talk and the focus is about the uncertainty of the future and what you can do to get there and um, sort of the task-oriented things, we lose ourselves in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding ways to connect spend some time to talking about the person, the things that the boys are interested in, some of the, some of the things they do in their hobbies, and really um, bringing it back to the person of the, the students in the class versus going right into the subject matter might be a way to engage and let them feel that they're valued, that we see them as who you are, that I'm not just here to get you on a path to college, mm-hmm. that I really care about you and you're seen, and you're heard, and um, the most important thing right now is that you're present and you're engaging. So one of the themes to engage students in learning is really finding that connection and letting them know that we care about their human aspect of who they are. Mm -hmm. So I encourage teachers to even first few minutes talking about things that might connect, that they have in common, if there was a game um, that, 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 that the team, you know, was part of the, just really finding other things than the, the actual thing will really make, find that human connection and then to shift into learning, they're better engaged. Mm-hmm. And I actually try to do that. Maybe it's not meditation in the standard sense where you're sitting and with your eyes closed, but I try to do a journal entry at the beginning of every class. So you're writing about something that's related to what we're going to talk about, but it's, 
in accordance to your own life and your own experiences. So you feel like you're, you know, you feel relevant to the actual material. Um, and then we can talk about that and you can kind of get a sense of this is who these students are. This is that these are their unique experiences so that they're heard and felt before we actually dive into the material. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think writing and journaling and thinking about yourself is one of the more useful exercises for emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Especially at that age, giving them space to kind of reflect and um, have permission to kind of access some of those other thoughts that they may not be able to share in other learning spaces. Even a few minutes of that really is empowering and helpful. What about some of the other ages beyond just high school and, um, you know, junior and senior level, which I teach, but what are some other ages where uh, your role as the director of wellness um, uh, is really uh, most in- important to you. Like, w- what other levels are you not c- not concerned about, but uh, f- kind of focused on in your sure. role? Sure. So my role, um, I'm tasked with um, uh, three big so- sort of themes and topics at Gilman, um, looking at the programmatic um, wellness and health curriculum for pre-K to 12, and what, what does that look like? What's being currently taught? Um, what do we need to tweak with the times, right? We, um, we know that anxiety is higher than ever. So how are we equipping our young boys um, with the skill sets? Um, we know that they're exposed to more social media earlier. They're given um, very powerful platforms, right? Um, iPads and access to technology earlier than ever. So they're growing up in a time where their identity is woven into, right, um, uh, the use of their tech, which can be a learning tool, but also many other things helps them build their identity. Very different from the way we grew up, because we didn't have that until as adults when our identity was a little bit more formed. So there's a lot of... Um, you know, um, skill sets we need to teach about digital um, um, citizenship and identity related to that. And, um, you know, can I ask, can I actually ask you about that? Sure. Do you think the the technology and social media is having a r- profoundly detrimental effect overall on young people? Um, I think that's the general notion, but I just tend to disagree because it can be used as a powerful tool to help build the skills of emotional intelligence to connect with other people um, and really um, have access to information that can really help your learning. It can be a powerful tool in helping with all levels of development if used that way, if you introduce that way. Now, um, being taught those boundaries, being taught how to use it for those purposes can really help um, students and adults really thrive. Um, but if not taught, Yes, it can have a detrimental impact because one doesn't know how to navigate some of the things that um, come with some of those pieces. Um, so um, I was just meeting with um, with um, Amy Summers and the lower school um, science teachers who are integrating a lot of this into their lessons for lower and middle school because, again, um, because of COVID and the pandemic, students at an earlier age were put on devices for learning mm-hmm. that, with that developmental um, um, introduction it was like here you go, <laughs> and um, and learn in this class in this Zoom class or the Google Meets class. So um, we are realizing the need to really teach children uh, to have that conversation and parents and how to have that conversation and really set screen time limits when needed. But it, you know, even gaming, video gaming, can be used as a powerful way to connect with others, um, or it can be an addictive, um, very very. Um, 
uh, unhelpful strategy, right, mm-hmm. as a way of avoidance and um, without limits, without that self-control. So um, students are still students at whatever age they need the adult support to help make good choices and set those boundaries. Um, so just being conscious maybe about uh, how much you're using these platforms and how long you're gaming and, you know, how many hours you're spending on your screen is the start because these platforms aren't these phones and technology isn't going anywhere it's always going to be around and you need to know how to use them yeah but i just worry about i just think about the social media and especially at a younger age um, because social media is constant comparison you're constantly looking at other people on snapchat and on instagram and what their life is like and Mm -hmm. you start to feel like maybe i'm not doing enough and it never leaves you you know you feel that way maybe at school because yeah. the person next to you is a high flyer and has a 95% in the class mm-hmm. and you feel like you need to keep up and there's competitiveness there. Yeah. But then you go home and you see it all the time and it just I feel like that has such a um almost negative effect on on young people that they're feeling like they constantly are comparing themselves with others. Um but I do I do see how it can be used for connecting with people and communicating. Mm -hmm. And so um, the comparison, the competitive is going to always be there, right, through many different mediums. And how do we equip our students to navigate the feelings that come with that, right? Um, That's the key. Um, That's the emotional piece related to the social um, media and the technology use. Um, And as we equip um, and give language um, and and ways, strategies to navigate that, um, then they can utilize it in a way that kind of builds their identity and connection and proactiveness versus like taking it inward um, and breaking down their self-esteem or causing them to feel less than, right? Um, so we partnered with a great organization called the Social Institute, which mission is exactly that, um, really providing that technology piece for the social-emotional learning piece and really teaching students um, at an early age, giving um, parents a language and understanding it. Because, you know, we see um, as adults... Um, a different way to use it and the detriment of it. Um, but when, for our students, that's what they're introduced to from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it can be framed in a very positive way as long as we teach them how to use it um, and how to set boundaries with even your own identity and the way you feel about yourself and the way you connect with others through that. It can be really used as a powerful tool. Um, so that Social Institute, I'm excited because they have a wonderful curricular um, scope and sequence for each grade level, um, really introducing students to the most current issues um, through media, but also giving a space to dialogue, um, share opinions, um, um, learning platforms where you can respond and post to each other so that it can be used in such a powerful learning tool. Um, uh, and so um, Gilman will be doing more of that um, this year. Awesome. Uh, another question for you, just kind of generally about yourself and your background. How did you um, kind of find Gilman, and how did you get get interested in emotional um, intelligence and wellness to begin? Sure. So my journey um, started off as a teacher. You know, ever since my fourth grade teacher really inspired me to be a teacher. She was wonderful. I tried to help out in every way. I was in a New York City public school. Uh, and my teacher just really inspired that love of learning. Your fourth grade teacher? My fourth grade teacher, really? yes. Um, she traveled a lot. Um, she had good relationships. She'd come back and show us photos through her little slide deck, you know, the 
things that you project. Mm -hmm. um, and she would um, inspire us to write from our experiences. And um, I love that. And so I went to college to be a teacher, trained to be a teacher. Um, uh, and then when I started teaching seventh and eighth grade, um, I taught math and um, did a lot of support in the social studies curriculum. Um, you know, I love the relationship with the students and the parents more than the content, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember my colleague said, you know, Christina, you know, I see you light up when you actually work with the students and parents and see them succeed. You know, she went to a dual degree program with Bank Street um, and Columbia School of Social Work with education and social work. She's like, I think you might really love that program. So I was already enrolled in Bank Street, and I applied to do that dual degree through Columbia, and I got accepted, and that's where I really built my lens as an um, educator, um, knowing how to differentiate content to support all learners, at the same time understanding that we're teaching to the whole child, not just the learner, but the, but the many other aspects of the person related to their family and their friends, and so just as integral and important to them as the learning piece. And so when you're able to attend to all the whole child, the mind, body, spirit, um, they thrive. And so um, I bring that lens as a clinical social worker, as a teacher, as a learning specialist, um, and then as a school leader. I went to um, Columbia School, the, the teacher's college, for my um, school administration degree because my heart was, yes, working with students and parents is wonderful, but greater change can be made on the macro level when you work with leaders. And so that was sort of my heart to bring a school culture where there was a balance um, and um, a joy for learning and really helping each child thrive for who they were hmm. um, with whatever learning style, with whatever cultural background, whatever family dynamic they came into the school with, that they were able to find all the resources and, um, and thrive. And so I love that Gilman's mission statement is fostering the whole child, the whole boy, mind, body, spirit. That's perfect. Yeah. It lines up perfectly with your background. So it's sort of like my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What has it been like here in the in the last couple of months since you started? Yeah, um, people have been asking me that, and I find myself repeatedly saying it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Because Gilman has been such a welcoming community. Um, there is a genuine um, sense of strong community that I, I feel already. And so when a new person comes into a really strong community already, there's this um, welcoming that's um, more than just welcome. I feel it. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's not so hard to kind of have these conversations and collaborate and work together and partner because there is that, um, there's that basis of trust. Mm -hmm. And so it's been fun kind of thinking out loud with folks in different divisions, but also um, teachers in different divisions and students about what wellness can look like here and what aspects um, people appreciate about what's already in place and sort of envision together where we can go, especially coming out of a very challenging time in our world. Do you have a specific um, vision or some ideas about how Gilman can improve from a wellness perspective or some things that you've noticed over the past couple of months that you see um, uh, potential for growth? Yeah. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, I love the mission statement and just the um, strategic plan that we have to really build and foster a place of belonging um, and, and the well-being of our boys here. So, um I think that's there. Mm -hmm. um, I do see elements of people trying it in different ways on their own, and I um, really um, appreciate even this year um, the academic council working with like the CIE office and try to integrate and collaborate mm -hmm. in making some of these big initiatives happen. And so, um, you know, I, I really um, 
appreciate how they've invited even the wellness office into those spaces to work together to um, because it really does take a school-wide effort. You know, I've been always saying to parents, like, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. It's really hard on our own these days. It really takes the adults from every lens, um, the friends that surround them, um, and the mentors, and, and, so, and appreciating the people that came before and after, right? It really takes a village to raise a child. So it, I, I, I really hope to see all of the Gilman community come together to realize a need to work together towards the wellness of the whole community. Mm -hmm. For the spirit of the school. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we're getting close to the end, so we need to uh, get the book recommendation. If you could hold it up to yes. the camera, that'd be awesome. I have this book that really um, was transformative and um, gave me a lot of the language and the tools that I talked about and shared about today. It's called Permission to Feel by Dr. Mark Brackett. Um, it's unlocking the power of emotions to help our kids, ourselves, and our society to thrive. And this came out, I think, the last two years. Um, and Mark Brackett is the um, founder of the Ruler Approach, and he's a director at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and a professor at Yale Child Study Center. And I heard him speak several times. One of the things I was really drawn to um, was the fact that he said, uh, teaching undergrads at Yale, right, um, um, he's oh, for many years, and he said, you know, when he teaches emotional intelligence skills there, he sees how a lot of the undergraduate students, especially the freshmen, made it. They made it to the college, the Ivy League, mm -hmm. with the help of their village. Yes. But a lot of the boys have a hard time graduating Yale. Their psychology's counseling departments are filled and packed because the boys have made it. And now they have to independently figure it out and thrive. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. So many may enter into Ivy Leagues like Yale. Not the same percentage does not graduate. And when he starts to see the impact even of these high-achieving students just crumble and break because it's so hard. They don't have the skill set to manage the stress level and the anxiety and be independent adults, mm -hmm. right? Because college is trying to prepare them to be independent, thriving, successful adults, right? Right. Um, that he realized all the more the important of building these skills early on. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend this book. Isn't it? Um, it is interesting to me because I think the, the common perception, I know we're getting to the end here, but the common perception is like, if you get to this destination, everything's going to be all good and, you're, you know, you're going to be free and you're going to be happy. And like a place like Yale, everyone there is high achieving and competitive and your schedule is booked up. And I mean, talk about a pressure cooker like you're you're confined to so many different things like who you are as a person and how much time you have in your day and what are you going to do after you graduate. Mm -hmm. So it even it, it's even more, I think, that emotional uh, well-being or the, the awareness of that, the importance of that is even more mm -hmm. important as you get older. Absolutely. And finding um, and supporting young, young, young people in defining success and happiness for themselves rather than always constantly achieving the expectations of the outside, whether that person agrees with it or not, right? That's what a lot of the, what, you know, students are really trying to do as parents and teachers put, and, and whatever societal pressures they have and feeling they have to go to this right college to feel like their life is set. Mm -hmm. We know that's not true, right? Because afterwards, then they have to deal with all the whole other set of challenges and finding the job and staying in, in that job successfully. Um, so really helping... Um, I think boys early on define uh, what it means to be successful, what it means to make you happy, and finding that balance of achieving, because it's possible to be in a 
a rigorous environment and achieve and have high standards at the same time decrease your anxiety level and, and find more joy in that journey to achieve that um, is sort of my hope for everyone at Gilman um, because that's possible. Yeah, it's yeah. really a, a lifelong skill. Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on for the book recommendation, Permission to Feel. Um, I look forward to having some more conversations with you, maybe getting you back on here because I think there's so much to learn and know and um, so much that can help our boys and faculty here. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.